Crofton, he is a bloody sociopath. You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Hello and welcome to the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast. Uh, I am Crofton Steers. I am the Indiana Jones of this podcast with me. As always, uh, on my two co-hosts, I'm talking about the Rick Deckard of this podcast, Bo Schwartz. Welcome, Bo. Hello. And, and uh, the Han Solo of this podcast, Michael Hodgins. How you doing? Who's Rick Deckard? Yeah, I don't know. Isn't he? Isn't he the Blade Runner dude? It's. De- I, th- um... I think it's Deckard, but I think that's his first name. Maybe or maybe not. No, I th- it, I think I nailed it. it. I, I was going to say you guys are both isn't wrong. Isn't it Deckard Kane? And then No. Stay a while and listen. <laughs> oh, it is it is it is no, Rick Deckard. Okay. Uh, I think oh, they just call him Deckard so we in the movie all... though. Yeah. Yeah. They call Han Solo Solo all the time too. Oh, we're different Harrison Ford. No, they call Yes, him you're a different Harrison. Uh, I have to explain. <laughs> that, that was that was a that was a very nuanced one. <laughs> it was very hard to decipher. Yeah, cuz that at first, I thought the Decker King was some other kind of like archaeological adventurer, and that I was going to be some other third one. And I was like Han Solo. I'm like, what? Yeah. I just didn't know it was the Rick Decker. You did fine. I'm just joking about it being nuanced. And it was I, Rick, I didn't know Rick's first being... name. Or yeah. I would also say that I had to hold myself back from making you Han Solo and digging out Harrison Ford's character's name from the movie Six Days, Seven Nights with Anne Hesh to make Mike that guy. But, I think you should have done I, that. I don't, I should but, have done that. But what, I feel that like that would have been completely lost. Yeah, I, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, Spending whatever. six days, seven nights with some lady. Whatever. It's all right. She ended up... <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did she do? I never saw that movie. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, all right. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> That said, we've ruined my intro as we tend to do every time. Uh, how are you guys doing? This is another uh, like COVID edition of uh, Good, Bad, or Bull, where we're in the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Now, Western uh, North America is on fire and the skies are red. So, if you're coming to us from Western USA or Canada, um, I I feel for you. I've seen some of the images. It's pretty horrible. Uh, And uh, the COVID numbers are starting to rise where we are as well. Kids are back to school. So, yeah, it's pretty much like hell on earth. How are you guys doing? (laughs) It's it's funny this – well, I shouldn't say it's funny. The fire thing is always – because I'll see these headlines. I have not been very engaged in the Western fire other than the – you told me that it was set off by a gender reveal party. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, I think there's multiple fires. One of the multiple fires. But the thing about that that I guess I was like, I was like, but doesn't isn't every year a massive record breaking fires? Because I feel like we had in Canada where like Fort McMurray, a whole town, basically burned down from massive wildfires like a year or two ago, and then Australia, like. All of Australia burned at one point. <laughs> it was like like a year or two ago, and this was like record breaking fires. I'm like, it's just climate change in action. It's gonna be burning every year. It's it's it is um, 
uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. You know what? What the thing about climate change that is always like um, depressing uh, is all, people. <laughs> all of it. Well, people always <laughs> focus on like so they'll focus on the gender reveal. They'll be like, "Well, it was a gender reveal party that caused the fire." I'm like, "Yeah, also all the dried brush that lit a flame due to climate change." But people don't yeah. like they focus on the trigger. And what's really funny, and what I recognize now with COVID, is you know how there's all these anti-maskers or people that are like, here are like, there's a there's a global pandemic. Here are little things you can do not to infect the world and protect yourselves. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. And and it's like, it's a global pandemic. And then you're trying to explain something as nuanced as climate change to folks to oh, be yeah. like, to be like if, if they can't even wear a goddamn mask, what the hell are they going to do for climate change? Yeah, it's, it's suddenly, it, yeah. you're right. That's crystal clear now why climate change is so hard. Self-preservation isn't even an instinct they possess. No, it don't. It, yeah, it doesn't even kick in when you have like the real threat of like you're gonna die from some. I can't breathe um, in my illness. mask. I can't breathe in my mask. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, uh yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, it's pretty it, bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know, and I I can't consider that we you know where we live uh, that we're even though that the COVID numbers are up and stuff like that, like uh, with the return to school and seeing how it's been handled and all of that, I just feel like. I, I always am thankful for for where I live, and, and, and but I just feel more more so lately. Um, and I know it. I know everybody is struggling right now. And as we go into the sort of fall, it's it's one of those periods where there's again a bunch of unknowns. But like we talk about wave two, uh, all of that. I just hope that like um, you know that people are doing well out there, and 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 hopefully uh, listening to a lot of podcasts to keep up like this one yeah well unfortunately they're probably listening to conspiracy theory podcasts uh, which gets them out on the street well why don't you plug your conspiracy theory podcast why don't you plug it you're recording from your conspiracy studio i see yeah no look at me (laughs) in the dark coming to you from the underground i can't broadcast where i am they're looking for me (laughs) i move around i broadcast from a new location one hour at a time every night you never know where i'll be for our audio listeners mike's mike is like in deep in darkness with just a little it looks light like flickering I'm a on disem- his face. Yeah. A disembodied head floating in darkness. And the quality of the webcam is like so it. so, so it looks like, you know, old grainy footage. Uh, it looks like an episode of the X Files and he's an informant. Yeah. It's pretty cool, I gotta say. You do look pretty cool. I, I give you that. This is, I think, yeah. the coolest appearance uh, on video that you've. Yeah, you've Crofton's is the opposite. It is so especially because light you on have the a sheen of his skin. Is what, like what, what's particularly <laughs> fascinating to me is the red glowing light on the top of your microphone. Also, Don't there, you just, love that? yeah, it's just haunting, and it's like a beacon in the darkness. I like, know. It's great. Anyways, sorry, Crofton, your place is nice too, but you know, no, some would not. say Don't less is that. more, but when it comes to Crofton, more is more. <laughs> all right we can all agree on that <laughs> oh, more is more oh, how you doing bo uh having a shitty day but overall i've been doing really good uh i figure i just probably stayed up a little too late last night and didn't get a good sleep and well spun, what about so out. shitty day because it's always interesting because i feel like there's two kinds of shitty days which are you know neither one's worse or better one is like you just feel shitty because, like you said, you're tired. You're just kind of – your mood's off. Yeah. Or something shitty happened to you. No, you no. I, it- I feel well, I feel shitty but not because of fatigue necessarily. I feel shitty because my, like, self-talk was really strong today. 
and I had an inability to focus. And, you know, I've talked about this in other shows, mental health issues. I just, I was beating myself up a lot and I couldn't help it. And it was just because, like, I like to accomplish things. And when I feel like I miss milestones or things and it goes on for too long, I get really frustrated. And then I usually just bottle the frustration inside. So it was just like that <laughs> basically it is, it is funny bo because that is like um the same with me in the sense that uh like mike and mike's point of the two types of bad days are is is very interesting and kind of astute but sometimes what happens and i think what you're describing a little bit and maybe it's with miss milestones and different things i'm the same where i've got like work stuff bothers me but it's really not that big a deal like but i let it become a big deal or i i then i have those conversations like you're you're mentioning the internal conversations i beat myself up and every once in a while i have to say to myself i'm like i'm like look i gotta be nicer to myself because really nobody cares seemingly as much as i do you know and so you know you gotta love yourself chill out crofton you know like so so take it easy I do, I do think though uh, that uh, just because we should likely introduce the topic of the week, which is going to be, I think, oh, yeah. brought to us by Bo. But before I, I will say, I hope that uh, everyone out there is doing well too, and that they haven't listened to this apocalyptic slash bad day talk <laughs> bad and day being talk. like, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else because we're about to turn a corner with oh, Bo's topic. Uh, uh, day. Just while we're on that subject, though, I, I do have a podcast recommend that's new. It's not oh, going nice. to be for everyone, but Michael Cohen has started a podcast. <laughs> like literally, literally uh, well, he was convicted, I believe, and now yeah. he's released, um, yeah. and he's making amends. And so it's, he's only got one episode right now, but it's an, it's him and Rosie O'Donnell at palling around. They've become best of friends, and um, uh. it's actually a, it's actually a good conversation. <laughs> at least if you want a sense of a firsthand account of someone who's probably. You know, trying to slap back at someone who's, you know, avoided jail time and consequence where he didn't because he had to, hang, you know, he, he got accused of all of it. He's like considering part of his penance to come out and to talk about everything and be honest about what he's done and all that business. And you can ascribe what you want to it, like whether it's motivated selfishly or not. But there's interesting information, I think, to learn, you know, that uh, I think the prime minister of Georgia had a nickname for him called Mr. Dictator. And Trump really liked being called Mr. Dictator. And he's like, yeah, dictators know what they're doing. That's that's right. You know, and, and just it's like, oh, my God, like, I wish everyone should hear it and appreciate what's being said there, because it's really bad for Michael democracy. Cohen. Anyways, thing I, I just was... sort of feel like. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just want to say about Michael Cohen, one thing I found interesting, like, obviously, he's probably not super trustworthy although i get his <laughs> making immense thing but like one thing i find interesting is he's been like tr- trump's fixer for like years and years and years and mm-hmm. like i yes we know a lot about trump's dirty laundry from from reporting that's been done and all of that like i get that but it feels like he should have more stuff like his stuff is like stuff like you told you just mentioned bo like what stuff that's Trump says candidly, he talks about the hush money to Stormy Daniels and other, but like you feel like over the career, especially following around a guy like Donald Trump, he would have like a a ton of situations like locked up. So it's, it's institutional cultism is how he's describing it. uh, In that someone else is always holding the bag. Like basically like, you you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, they do. But like, 
Because, like, because, what is it? Um, plausible deniability. Like, if you have someone else hold the bag, yeah, I guess it's like, well, right. no, they did it, and they did it on their own. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm the president. I'm above reproach now. <laughs> You're like, what are you going to do to you know about it? They tried to impeach him, didn't work because everyone else is always got hold the bag. He's a clever person, Trump, Donald Trump is. Um, all right. Anyways, if it's of interest to you, I recommend it as a listen, even if it's just as a curio. But I think. What we're really excited to know is what the topic's going to be, yeah? All right, so here yep, comes the bird. Good. Catch the bird, Crofton. Uh, you got it. Oh, there you go. All right, don't look at what's in it. No, it's my, away. It, it's going... No, 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 he caught it, but just pass it. Put your hand... Put it in the internet hole, and I'll take it out. All right, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we have here. This week on Good, Bad, or Bullshit, the chosen topic by the birds of lore uh, is empathy. Oh, oh, that is not bad. Not bad at all. Um, I was empathy. not sure what to expect there. I, uh-huh. I'm, in, I'm in a bit of shock. But why I'm would what, the only first question... This mm-hmm. kind of like a, it's yeah. like the big question, and and one we had a recent one I think it was ancestry and Crofton pointed this out. How would you call it bad? I guess or could uh, it even okay? Be that? Well, let's look at overly. Let's look at the but let's look at the person that we just talked about, Donald Trump. Doesn't resonate with anyone that he's an empathetic person, correct? Yet he's risen to the highest seat in his country. And he's quite successful. And based on the fruits of his labor and the labors of other people who refute empathy, who are out to win and to get theirs in society, you can look at that and say, well, I want to win. Screw empathy. I I don't care about anyone else. I just care about me. And maybe just my own, my family, or whatever it is. But you look at your fellow countrymen, you look at the fellow people around you, and they are the other, they are people to beat, they are people to get one over on, they are people to win, to look down upon. And people who accomplish these things don't do that using empathy. And they would espouse that they're winning, so therefore their way of life is, is better. Or someone who thinks that way is better. Like even just a corporate shill who's just like, yeah, I don't have sympathy for these fools. Either work or get the hell out of my office. Like that kind of stuff. Like there is a school of thought that would suggest that empathy is weak. And that... Um, it's not as it's not as black and white as you make it out to be. It's just that we're all very empathetic people, and probably on on our when we discuss it, we're just gonna probably all say it's great. But, but it, it is an open question philosophically, I suppose. And and I I really like how you laid that out. And and I would say also on the other end of the spectrum, it is like the an excess of empathy can be debilitating in a way. Like and I. Touching on what Bo and I were talking about, by having the bad day, like I am a very empathetic person, like very, uh, very empathetic. And the problem with that for me personally is, is there, it takes a, a sizable emotional toll on me. And, you know, they say you shouldn't necessarily take on other people's feelings or other people's emotions. Like if you have to deliver bad news to someone, for instance, uh, and thinking about them and their family and all of this sort of thing. Obviously, there's value to that. But if you take it on too much, it can it can be uh, a cause of tremendous anxiety, uh, even you know even depression and that that sort of thing. So for me, I I'm cog you know I'm cognizant of that, and I wonder sometimes these 
for lack of a better term, sociopaths that have zero empathy, um, if they, in a way, by being just so self-involved, and, and Donald Trump is like, there's a, he has a lot of issues, but like a, a, another another person that may not have a ton of empathy, would they be perhaps happier or because they don't have to deal with all this, like taking on other people's feelings or other people's um other people's be it guilt or 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 negative emotions so i can i can understand both on the effectiveness side that bo laid out and on the on the the, the mental anguish almost um side that i'm sort of laying out the, no. that there are some negatives that you could describe yeah, to I'm, empathy. I'm i'm glad that you guys pointed those out because those are both very true things um the other like in in my head i guess i'm like i'm just like empathy is not like it is like good clearly good but beyond that for me i'm like it's like the most important thing that humans have it's it's basically how i think and and though those those negatives you say personal ones are absolutely true i consider myself an empathetic person and sometimes it can be debilitating um to the point like you know, I've had a baby crying and I'll be going nuts trying to like empathize with why my baby is like in so much distress right now that it's basically crippling me as a parent, making me essentially not effective. Like I, I get those personal things um, with empathy. Um, I get that some people get ahead really, really well by just not giving a fuck about anybody else. That's clearly true. Do they personal gain all this? But like, you know, <clears throat> I love I love thinking about the kind of broad thing that the whole world i'm always thinking about stuff like that and i'm like it's to me so clear that empathy makes the world a better place and that not having empathy makes it a worse place as simple as that like i feel like you know we're talking about a class divide that's going on right now you have the poor um and you have the rich and it's like if you don't have if you have empathy you care about the person who has nothing and if you have no empathy you don't care about them and they can starve in the gutter. Like to me, that just seems like clearly worth. Uh, we were talking about like uh, climate change before the 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 show. Being able to empathize with generations who have not lived yet that we're going to be giving them this horrible, destroyed world <laughs> because of us refusing to change our ways is a lack of empathy. If you just say like I'm, I I can't empathize with those people. They don't exist. I don't care about them. So I'm just like. Yeah, the, the, the reverse true, is true too, though. Broad right? things like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Well, the reverse is true as well because we know that we don't really empathize with people in the past all that much. In fact, we shit on them more than anything else. <laughs> you know, like so, like why would we empathize we with empathize, the future generations? We, we, no, no, we empathize with the with people in the past. Mm-hmm. I always think about how crappy. <laughs> well, half of yeah, I, I guess of, so. Like, okay, we live in the best time is because you're like. You're like, think of all other times. Like, like yeah, I mean, okay. I, I think yeah. I said it, but, but in this COVID situation, you know, people are like, oh my God, you know, it's like, again, the death rate, what is it? 1% or whatever. And it's like, you know, a hundred years ago, like half your children died before they were five. Half, you might've had like five children. Three of them are dead before the age of five. Like, it's just like, I empathize mm. with that. They, those people had hard lives, man, you know? And uh, we have it so easy. So part of that is as empathizing with like, man, the the difficulty that the people who came before us, like life was harder than it mm-hmm. is now, even mm-hmm. even under current situation. 
I know I'm not being like, I'm just like, man, empathy, good. Case closed. Let's wrap it up. I'm like, what is, and you're right. It is more, it is well more nuanced and there's way more to it than that. The personal, um, but I, I just feel like, but either you guys, you know, when you laid out that Donald Trump thing, I thought it was interesting, but is that appealing to either of you to be like, okay, like you can have it all fame, fortune, you know, live, live the hedonistic lifestyle and just, you know, use people or is that appealing? Cause I no, know you're empathetic it, people. It's probably not. No, because I have empathy. Um, no, right. it's, it, it's not, it's not appealing. Uh, it is appealing to be, it is appealing to be disengaged from uh, some of the, the thoughts that, that weigh me down. And like every time I get into a performance evaluation at every job, people are like, Crofton, you're a really nice guy and all this stuff, but you care too much what, about what people, you know, what people are thinking or, 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 you know, like you may, you may hire staff or not deliver bad news to staff because, you know, you're concerned about their feelings or how it will affect them and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, get, getting them the, uh, the feedback that they need to do their jobs or whatever. Um, or you make decisions based on the people and not necessarily the, the, the goals that we're trying to, to uh, uh, obtain due to, due to empathy. And like, I get those criticisms and I own them and that's who I am. And I, I, I don't have any sort of, I, I, I don't begrudge myself that if I could have more people that have more empathy uh, th- than more people like Donald Trump, that's what I would choose. But I have a lot of empathy. So I'm making that judgment in that way. I wonder if I'm designing a human, like if I am on the outside, I am like a robot or an alien life form or God or whatever. And I'm putting together, if I'm like, Hmm, what's the best way to make these animals? Is it to add this thing or is it to, to not um, like, I, I, I don't know because I'm burdened by empathy to a certain extent, like I, for me, it's obvious it's better to, to put empathy in it, but it, is it like it, if everybody was like Donald Trump, would we, you know, get further or would we, would we not like Donald Trump's a bad example because he, he's, he's, you know, obviously a, a liar and uh, you know, uh, a, a crazy narcissist. And uh, I mean, while I think that that's re- a lot of that is related to lack of, lack of empathy i think you could have potentially somebody who lacked empathy but also you know was was not a liar for instance like uh so if every i i don't you know i i because i'm so biased i can't i can't put myself in that 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 position to look down and say how would i design the human race but like my personal thing is i'd have more people like me that that are sort of empathetic and it's same around the workplace i'm always like oh why are more people not like me and then meanwhile i'll see like so and so who's a dickhead who you know gets promoted up three three levels because um because he gets results right uh so it is well, it you, is tricky you did get cue kind of thought in my head and um before the show i was going i was talking about how my sister-in-law is a v is a vegan now and I was, I was, I was said how I, I found it interesting to discuss these things because of ethics and, but empathy is pretty core to that, um, to to that way of to that way of being. So you have empathy for animals and how we treat them, 
And, you know, it's funny because I'm like, and, and I do to a certain extent, although I'll tell you, I eat a tasty animal, you know, like I don't have a problem doing that. And, and then, and then, so I'm like, do I, I lack empathy, I guess, for that animal. But it made me think about animals and how or when animals display empathy. And I'm like, what is this like a curious trait that only human beings have? Because, you know, I was, I was telling her, it was sort of funny about humans like, oh yeah, we don't want, you know, you, you're vegan, you feel bad. You know, we, we, uh, we, we, kill this cow and slants it has a bad death and then we eat it and i'm kind of like well have you ever seen a nature video You're like you watch a lion you know a lion will find like a baby gazelle you know a six weeks old the cutest little thing and that lion will be like i will fucking eat your head while you are alive like it has no problem doing that it'll just it will take that thing down and just chew on its brain and like and and no problem you know and and almost all animals are basically like that uh, uh and, and and maybe empathy is kind of a result of our sort of pampered lives that we have the privilege to be empathetic whereas if you put you know so, as some human being uh, okay i'd like i would like to hear it in a second. i want to let you but finish like, though but yeah go ahead sorry but like i you know and i just think like you take you took any any vegan and and i'm not even crapping on veganism i think it's great if you're a vegan that's and you want to live that lifestyle that's awesome but I think you take any person and put them in a situation where they're starving and then you introduce like some animal and like, man, you're killing that. You're going to rip the head off that animal and eat it unless, well, unless you want to, unless you're so empathetic that you choose to die instead, in which case evolutionarily e- empathy would be a big fail, right? Yeah. You know, because at some you, point, you didn't survive. Well, exactly. And at some point you have to be a bit ruthless. Like when you look at nature, it's, it's, it's ruthless. It's like, you know, you kill the thing you need, you know, I got to eat and, and you're in front of me, buddy. So it's you, you know, and that's nature. Right. And it's kind of like, well, that's how it goes, you know, and, and maybe we, but we have empathy, a limited amount of electrical, we have limited capacity batteries. We have to consume to keep the batteries going basically. Like anyways, I have this theory about the lack of empathy though, part. Um, like okay. so I, I think here. Well, because I, I mean, I've had experience in different work without getting into too many details in you know, different work experiences. And I know that like, I feel like what ends up happening is that people who are, I think most people have possess empathy. I think people, there there's neurodiversity where people probably are not empathic and they're pathological or uh, what's sociopathic um, and don't think about other people's feelings uh, and they, they have blinders on I think most people feel empathy because it's it is part of the human uh it is part of being a human a mammal and i I think we have that genetically built into most of us i think what ends up happening where people begin to lack empathy is that people become rewarded for disregarding their empathetic impulses um so and i'm not again i'm not talking about someone who can't feel empathy because of a neurological condition because that's possible um but like just knowing that like oh well if this job is going to give you way more money and they're they're cutthroat and they want you to be dicks to people and there's an institutional acceptance that that's how you maintain membership and a way to lose membership is to turn into a big softy then you're being rewarded and then your habits and tendencies because reward is associated with it it ends up becoming habit and indoctrinated into unconscious thought and then you think that's a way of life because because it's working because you're surviving you're thriving you're pro- prospering within the social structure of your mammalian tribe so 
I think that's what it fundamentally is, is that ignoring your empathy is probably incentivized by reward the way we do it like in modern civilization that's my theory <laughs> it's it's interesting and even was well it made you i have a a work story that really resonates with what you just said i used to work in a call center and uh doing surveys it was just it's a crappy job anyone's worked in a call center it's not it's not it's not lots of fun um and uh and i would get uh, so not only in your reward your rewarding of lack of empathy but also punishing empathy is something that was also done in the workplace uh because i remember you would get you're asking to do surveys no one wants to do a survey people are telling you to f off hanging up in your face all night long and then you get a kindly old old lady who you know is alone in her house probably hasn't talked to anyone for days is more than happy to do your survey and then you could at the end of the survey is sort of like starting to ask you some questions she just wants to chat you know wants a human connection and I would always chat with them for five, ten minutes. Not not too long, long enough to be what I would consider to be a human being to just like they took the time to do this thing. And and so as it is in these call centers, you get called into the uh, the super. Um, there's like people who will listen in your calls. And if you have someone listening in on you, they'll call you into the office to give you like demerit points is how it worked there. If you got enough of these, oh, you'd be fired. Good eventually. God. Yeah, this happened to me. And, um, but I'm the type that were, where, so, so it's interesting because it was rewarded. Like if you just did the calls fast, you would be rewarded. If you were rude to people and just hung up, thank you for your time, I hung up the phone, went to the next one, that would reward you. You'd move up the ranks, you become a supervisor. I, I was incapable of that. And when I went into the supervisor one time, I like reamed them out. I'm like, these are human beings. I'm like, I will not sell my soul for this job. Like you gotta, I'm yeah. like, it's just like, like, like who I am, my principles are not for sale for any price. And it's like, yeah. I will always treat a person like a human being, especially someone who's lonely and wants to chat. And that was actively. So again, I think that like, but you probably weren't we popular much... in that milieu with those opinions with the people. With I was the, what? With... You probably weren't popular in that. No, I was not. They, well, with, they didn't like me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, this is this is where I'm driving at because, like, you know, and I have a tangential kind of semi fixation obsession on neuroscience and neurological stuff these days. And one of the interesting things that I came across was that, like, um, thoughts don't change behavior; behavior changes behavior, and then thoughts follow. So, like, you can think all day about stopping eating cake or breaking an addiction or get, getting a new habit, but at the end of the day, you've got to do the thing, and there's no thinking that's going to circumvent it, make it easier, blah, blah, blah. Like, you literally have to do the thing eventually, right? <clears throat> and and then your thoughts follow. So it's like if you want to change your frame of mind, your body requires for, forward movement, so you do things, and then you change. For example... If for some reason you felt compelled to behave like a priest tomorrow, Mike, and you did that every day for months and months and months and months and people started treating you that way, your brain would probably shift to accommodate the changes in your behavior because you're being informed by different things. And I think when it comes to this kind of thing, those people who we weren't popular with know what empathy is and can feel it. And they're not, no one's willing to see how daily activity repeating the same lack of empathy changes your behavior and then changes your thoughts about the world. And I can say from management experience, you do begin to indoctrinate yourself if you're not careful to be less empathetic because the demands are greater and it's more challenging and it's just things are just a cost to you emotionally and time and everything else. 
they're just a cost to you, but they're not a cost to many of the others that you interact with. And that can lead to being less empathetic, which can lead to efficiencies and improvements and all kinds of reward. Then you're like, this is the way this is working. Let me keep doing it. And, you know, at a certain point in that particular experience, I, I lacked a lot of empathy for a lot of things that when I took my few, my midlife retirement and years off to reflect on things, I was like, oh, I didn't like that version of me. I don't feel that way now because I wasn't working. I was living a very peaceful, hippie, <laughs> not hippie, but, you know, the Lebowski style life for a while. And it changed how I thought. And I was like, oh, uh, there's a connection between what civilization, what, what you're, the role you're performing in civilization and what it's doing to change you. Inst- the institution has its effect on you because you're being rewarded to learn yeah. in a way that is shitty. But it's institutionalized all the way up to the president of the United States. So I don't know. Right. And I would say, like, because I got a bunch, bunch of thoughts on a bunch of this stuff that you guys have just said. Uh, but, but uh, one I would, I would say is that the, in in both of the examples that you guys have have picked, you've picked jobs in which they are fairly transparent with their ruthlessness or mm-hmm. lack of empathy. You know, but we're in sort of, especially with the um, the coronavirus and and the situation that we're in now, people are uh, very much talking good game in a lot of large organizations about mental health. And this has been going on for a few years. And I think it's largely a positive conversations, but it doesn't necessarily, uh, if you, if you dig beneath the surface, it doesn't necessarily reflect in, in, in how people are, you know, being rewarded. I worked a job recently and I, where I left, I left the organization partially because they kept talking about, mental health and how great it was and had all these great sessions and all of this. And then the biggest douches would get become, you know, uh, directors or, or get that next, you know, next level of, uh, authority. And so I, I was just like, you guys are completely, you know, completely toned up, but these, these folks were also very much prone to, you know, delivering results. So I, I, I get that. I think that it is institutionalized and I'm hoping that the openness about mental health is going to lead to that shifting a little bit. The other thing I just wanted to say about empathy was, um, uh, is related to, um, the internet. And, um, I guess, I guess what, what I mean is that right now, the idea of well, like the idea of empathy is that you can relate to another human being. You need to be able to see them as another human being. Um, and and uh, even in this age of Zoom calls, a lot of people, you know, either are not turning on their cameras or what have you. I try to turn on my camera as much as possible to try to connect with folks in some way so that they see me as a human being that they are trying to help that I can sort of trigger their empathy. I own often at the beginning of a, a zoom call, my uncomfort, it, discomfort, if I'm not feeling it, like say like, Oh, you know, I'm a little bit nervous today or whatever. There's 20 of you and I, I am prepared, but I just, I'm not feeling it today. Sorry. And people will relate and I would trigger, ideally trigger their empathy and get them on, on my team. Uh, and, and, uh, there's a little bit of manipulation there, but at the same point, I'm being honest with my honest with my feelings on the internet, you become an avatar and a comment and, you know, maybe your avatar is a dog wearing a hat. I don't know, 
maybe it's yourself and you're like, hey, look at me. Maybe it's yourself wearing a baseball cap, sunglasses, and a goatee. I don't know. But depending on what your avatar is, that's you. And then there's no language or tone. There's nothing. It's just a comment. So like on, on Twitter or even on Facebook, amongst your own friends who know you, there's this disconnect and in comment sections under articles and all of this. And so people, I think, are getting trained through this to become less empathetic. Uh, and, uh, and and I think that it's reflecting on the real world. Like it happens on the internet and then they they start – you know, they start not caring. I often wonder about like, and not to get too political, how the Republican Party in the States in its current state with its current priorities, with the decisions that it makes, how it can attract such a large audience. And I think it's because of this, you know, the separation from empathy uh, through enabled strongly by the Internet. I don't think that Trump would have survived pre-Internet times. I, I mean, I think that's I think that's true. Um, I think you're I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's part of the reason I am not on any social media. Um, whenever I was on that stuff, I always felt like the interactions were so hollow uh, and empty feeling whenever I would was on Facebook years ago at this point. Uh, it was like every time I spent time on social media, it never felt better after so being off it completely you you do you, you know after you get kind of it out of your system like i like the interactions i have with people are like mostly my neighbors at this point random people i talk to on the street and uh and almost all of those interactions are are you, you know you can you can feel the kind of empathy in it like the human connection facial expression body language that stuff is so hugely important and so stripped away in the in the mass communication social media um, that dominates a lot of people's lives and a lot of broad and and it, it is it's it's totally troubling. Um, the good thing about it is you can pretty easily strip that away, um, uh, you know, by just getting off it. But the counter to that is you still have to go out and you know if if you're a person who suffers from anxiety or you're just an introvert, it can be hard to do that. You might, you might feel shy talking to your neighbors or whatever. And then you get on social media, but yeah, it's, it's all together kind of a cycle, which I don't, I, I, I do worry about as well. I mean, the internet's effect on this stuff um, is, is substantial. Like, I mean, do you guys think we're living in an era like where empathy is on the D on the decline or uh, I suspect so. It's weird. There's a, there's like a two polarities here. Like one is like the internet is great for learning. I've been leveraging a lot of it to put information I didn't previously know in my head the past couple of months. And there's plenty of it. And there's always something interesting around the corner. It's not forced. I just think, what am I interested in? I'm sorry, looking at it. Who's doing it? Who's talking? You know, it's like you can get all into it. There's tons of knowledge. And to me, knowledge is a great gateway into empathy because it's hard to understand some things until you know what the nuances are. For example, someone with Alzheimer's, you know, like, or others, you know, I don't know what it's like to experience that or even be around someone like that. So to watch it and to learn about it, I know more, I know what the signs and things mean. And it, it would help me access empathy as an example, uh, something I didn't previously know, but like, we have to remember we're just looking at screens like as much as it's real human connection you guys are talking and we're gonna have real genuine laughs like if there's a camera like a, just an observer cam up here and uh, i'm just talking to a piece of plastic in a room by myself like and i don't think it's possible to experience real empathy 
through screen. It has to be with people. And so as we grow increasingly isolated and don't see people, like we're just, our brains know the difference between fake and real. Like, even though I know this is a real call and I know this is great and I can behave just like I do when I'm around real people, I think neurochemically, it's not giving me the same uh, hits as real connection, real touch, real listening to someone's very sad story and feeling their emotion just a foot away from me as they sit on their uh, chair crying or elated in happiness. Like, I, and I think, I, you know, like we said, I think before the start of the show, that like people are having a hard enough time being empathetic and wearing masks during the pandemic. Like, how are, Maybe we said it on the show. I just can't remember what point. But how are they going to figure out climate change? And how are they going to know? How are they going to understand the subtle nuance of being empathetic in person versus on TV screens and phone calls and stuff? Which is not. It's just. I don't think the human animal responds the same way. So I think it's probably declining, to be honest with you. I, I don't know well, why I'm- Trump would be president otherwise. I to answer your question, Mike. To, from my point of view, is that I think uh, they're like everything. It's one of these um, extreme polarity splits where you've got like um, one half of the population that is getting like more attuned to the needs of others because of the situation that we're in. Again, post-apocalypse wasteland. Um, like so people are worried about each other they're reaching out there's a lot more asking like how are you doing uh uh than there was before there's a lot more of a focus on on mental health across the board by a big big swath of the population and then there's another huge swath of the population that is even less empathetic they're now even more detached from other people um they feel inconvenienced by everything going on with regards to the the pandemic they feel um uh you know uh, frustrated by uh, other humans for whatever reason and they are they're like even more jerks than you would be normal normally and uh, like to to, ins- to associate empathy with jerkiness i would just say that's like baseline for me somebody that has no empathy towards others and acts that way just by and large is going to end up being a jerk to me personally no offense um, so, uh, so that, so I, I do think that we're in a, we're in a world where it's hard to say if there's more empathy or less empathy, because I think one half of the population is going full tilt empathy and the other half is going completely in the other direction. Yeah. yeah. Like, I that mean, they're, right. they're like all things, like all things, uh, there probably is a balance. Um, is the Buddha said, <laughs> the middle way, you know, you you, <laughs> you, uh, you tighten the string too tight and it will snap. You leave it lo- too loose and it will not play. Uh, so there probably, yeah, there probably is yeah. some like, like and, and yeah, we, who's, we are in the sorry. land of polarization. Who said that? It was Buddha? Siddhartha, the Buddha. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't, the Buddha didn't it work was, at a police station. You know what I mean? He wasn't a police no, no. officer, like Mr. Wisdom. It's like, I don't well, know, man. Was, I'm just like. His was, it's an, it's kind of a nice story. And, and, and it's funny because where I heard it was, it was in a movie that Keanu Reeves played Siddhartha, which is kind of funny. I don't remember what that movie was called, Seems but fitting. it was pretty good. But I, 
Uh, so Keanu Reeves was was Siddhartha, and uh, he started off as a prince. This is the, the Buddha, right? He was no knew no suffering in the world, only luxury. And then when he realized that there was suffering outside the city gates, he chose to become an ascetic, where he just was like lived in utter squalor and like ate bird droppings for nutrition and did that for many years. And then when he was doing this along the side of uh, the edge of a river, and, and a, a musician was going by and teaching his apprentice and said. And, he, and Siddhartha overheard him saying, if you tighten the string too much, it will snap. And if you leave it too loose, it will not play. And that's when the Buddha realized the middle way was the path to enlightenment. How's that? Thank you, Keanu Reeves, for, yeah. for, <laughs> for, for that Buddhism. espousing a, a philosophy that's based on guitar <laughs> strings. That's great. Well, um, I mean, it's it kind is, of a simple thing, but it's sort yeah. of nice. And I think it's, it is sort of true. We've lost the middle ground, right? And I think that that's probably true with empathy, where it, it, you totally can go overboard where you're like, you're just like running around in circles of like, how do we accommodate all needs like, all the time? Here, and, a, and that can be a bit over. Here's an example, though, that like I can tell you we're like this, it, this involves cutting off your empathy and it doesn't involve being a selfish jerk. If you work, let's say, at a retirement home, a lot of lovely, wonderful people that are in their vulnerable years, maybe lonelier years, definitely sicker years. You know, there's a retirement home just across the street from me. Like every now and then ambulance is pulling up like not infrequently, like once a month or even like there are people dying over there. And, and anyways, I, if you're a healthcare worker in an environment like that. I have to imagine if you feel for every old lady and old man and have a super empathy and, and, and then meet the family and sad, like I would think to survive in an environment like that, you got to build up some crust. I would think, I don't know how I could take a career, even five years working in a healthcare home, old age home, befriending people and feeling nothing when they die. Like, or, but the alternative would be being sad and going to every funeral and feeling it. So like who would want to be around that? Right. And I just think that the people who end up in that position make some sort of compromise that isn't rewarded to try and feel as, as distant as possible from everyone just so that they can, you know, you know, we're not designed to be like depressed all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Is that, am I making sense? I mean, I'm no. sure some people take that, view but I, I mean i would i would think as you're saying that i'm like yeah okay that could be true maybe you have to have the super thick skin where you're like okay people are gonna die here all the time and i don't doubt that some people who work in those situations are like, like that. you go home from home it's like hey honey i was working i don't know someone croaked Three anyways what are we having craft dinner tonight you know like <laughs> yeah uh, i mean but but i also like wonder if it's just again this kind of like compromise between it because i would hope that anyone who works in old age home I would hope is an empathetic person. You know, if I ever have a, yeah, but that's what I mean. That's the myth. I think the reality is, is well, like, it's not true. But, but, I, but I wonder, I just wonder though, because sometimes I think there's this, like maybe it's a, it's a disconnect between being overly empathetic and maybe just not being engaged with reality. Like, mm. like, I mean, you could be an empathetic person, understand like these people are at the end of their lives and they, they need our empathy and they need care. They're in a vulnerable place. And you can be sad when they die, but also know that that's part of life, right? It's just, it's another cycle, oh, another stage sure. of life. Hmm. And I see, I'm sure you, I'm sure some of these people must have that but, sense to be like, this is, you know, yeah, have but, that empathy. Go, go ahead. But to Bo's, to Bo's point, like there's been a bunch of scandals about old folks' homes and, and, and uh, you know, people 
that work there that take advantage. It, we'd love to think that everybody is is empathetic that works there, but it's un- unfortunately not always the case. I will say that my dad was in an old folks home for the the um, you know six last months or maybe even longer of his life, and uh, he had Alzheimer's, and I would visit him like you know not every day, but close to uh and um and so i got to know the staff the staff there but i also got to know the other residents and so you definitely like your em- you can have that empathy but it can exist in different ways and it, maybe this is just an extension of mike's point but like there are a lot of people there that are including my dad who were not in great great a great spot and like they were in their lives they were they were suffering from dementia they were suffering so if you I have the emotional attachment to my father that I knew. So when he passes, obviously it's going to hit me hard. They only know him as an, uh, a man who has severe Alzheimer's. And so when he passes, they, they, may, they may have liked him, but definitely they probably, their empathy is but more on a, he's in a better place. This was, you know, like he, he was really suffering at the end. I think though, like every once in a while, there was somebody at the old folks home that was like a, a person that was in really good, you know, mental space, really like there's this gentleman, Wesley, he was smiling all the time. He's a really, really great guy. And he passed kind of out of the blue. And I could see that it had a much bigger impact on the staff because he was, you know, he was, uh, first of all, they didn't see it coming, but also he seemed like somebody that, that was that enjoying life still. And, and and so their empathy was more a sense of loss for this gentleman than a sense of relief that they're no longer suffering. So I think empathy can exist in, you know, in in different forms in, in, in that way. Um, but I, you know, obviously um, some of those, some of those staff were more empathetic people than others. And I wonder if, they're assigned either patients or situations based on based on that. I know for sure, Bo, to your point, it would r- really, really uh, wear on me. And like, I know some people who are who are in veterinary studies who are just like, oh, I could never ever put an animal down or something like that. Like, it would. I'm just too. They they got into this veterinary studies because they love animals so much. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, you know, part of it is you got to. Yeah, you're down. an you're a pet and, euthanizer. Woo! Yeah, and and so I I think you know, and it, I, I I think that it, empathy can be a, a double edged sword when it comes to that type of stuff. Um, it, there, which is similar to Mike's vegan point earlier. There, there is a kind of like you mean, the animal thing. Like when I was a kid, I was for sure like the, you know, didn't want to kill any animal. Um, and uh, like I was like, I remember this one time when I was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12 or something. At my cottage, I was throwing rocks in the water and uh, at these ducks because I was trying to get them fly away. I thought like, oh, I'll throw the rock out there. I threw one rock out and it broke a duck's neck. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the duck's, like, head fell down into the water and its wings started flapping. And, like, I ran out and picked up the duck and brought it in and then it uh, it died. And I was like, I just want to point out. That That's I would sad. not have agreed to do this podcast if I knew it was with a duck murder. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep in mind, I, there's there's uh, there, there there are people like uh, Bo who's gone out hunting. You know, who look at a majestic. Well, I, I deer never actually pulled the trigger and shoot a hole right through. Its I never pulled the trigger and killed anything. I know you weren't the trigger man, but whatever. 
I, the, what, what I'm what I'm about to get at is I really didn't help the hunt in any way whatsoever. I don't think. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like so he as held a it child, back because I think there is something like about because as I mature, it's not like that I am less empathetic, but I think my empathy is more in balance and more in check with reality. So like, yeah, I did a, I realized I made a mistake as a kid and I killed that animal and I felt terrible for it. I remember bawling for like an hour to the point where my mom, my mom at one point we were leaving the cottage driving in and I was just crying. And she was like, okay, okay, enough already. It's a duck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm glad you feel bad, whatever. Um, and I was just going on and on and on. And, uh, and then about like probably 10 years later, um, I had a dog who was old and she was getting rough and she wasn't having a good quality of life anymore. And I had to take her to get put down at the vet. And I stayed there while they injected her with the, you know, whatever chemical puts a dog down and just petted her head. That That's a horrible thing to do as any pet owner who has done that before. But I was like, well, I must be there. And I was more, you know, and it was that was hard, but it was like an active decision. I decided to kill this to kill this dog because I thought her quality of life was bad. And now like I'm, and and at that time I think I wouldn't have say shot an animal to eat it or something like that. But now at the age I am at now, like I would be open to say to hunt for food. Uh, Like if I, I would, I wouldn't do it for pleasure, but if I was like, Oh, if I, if I went and shot a deer and I had venison for, for the year, I'm like, I'm okay with that. And I think it's just like I've it's not like anything active that I've done, but getting older, I've kind of more seen this like when I was young, I felt like this to, to end some life. It was just the worst thing ever. And it just like it devastated me that I killed this duck, you know, and then it was like having to put my own dog down. It was this really mixed and difficult decision. And now I'm kind of like I have this view as I get older and approach, you know, you know, I'm halfway through my own life and who knows how long I'll live. But you realize that just death is sort of just it's just a thing. It's just a thing about life. Uh, it's not necessarily bad. It's just part of it. Um, you ever hit I'm, a squirrel maybe, with your car? Uh, I still try not to. I put the brakes on. Even <laughs> I, mean, I, try, I a ten car pileup because I ran over. A, I ran over a raccoon once, and I think it had babies following it. And I was like, "Oh God, I felt, I felt bad." You know? Yeah, jeez. Um, I'm a horrible person. If it makes you feel better, those babies are probably all dead now. Well, probably, but they well, don't that doesn't probably. make anyone feel better. Why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say though, is, is it when when I get as I get older, I'm maybe a little bit more at peace with that. Like 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 when I was a kid. Oh, I'm going on about these stories about me being a kid and an adult. But I remember my cat caught a chipmunk once, and and if you ever seen a cat play with these, <laughs> they, they torture too? these things. So the chipmunk was not alive. And I ran over and grabbed my cat. I was like 12. I was like, let him go. Let him go. You know, and then now, so just recently, um, my cat, Snoopy. Uh, so that was when I was probably 12. I made my cat let go of this, of this, of this chipmunk. And then, uh, and then the other day, my son came out because Snoopy, the, my cat, was coming home with a chipmunk in, in his, uh, in his, in his, and, and Ivan was like, he was like, oh, it's really sad that he killed that chipmunk. And I was like, look, son, if that chipmunk was smarter, he'd still be alive. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you lack you sociopath. I know, that I know. And, and then, and then Ivan was kind of like, uh, you know, he looked all teary eye and I was like, Ivan, that's what a cat does. You know, a cat needs, that's what they do. And it's true. A cat is a freaking. Well, I mean, that's. <laughs> and then Mike yeah. got down on his knees afterwards and looked at me, Ivan right in the face. And was like, and that's what humans do too, Ivan. Yeah, we kill, <laughs> we kill son. 
And in case it wasn't clear, son, one day you will die, too. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, oh, dude. No. <laughs> I would just point it is, out to listeners. It is true, though. It's a, Yeah, it's true. I mean, well, that's... Somebody... It's more like acknowledging reality. You know, that's... it's like you can be... An, and I am an empathetic person, but there is a bit of, like... This is where, I guess, maybe I'm coming around to this, like, empathy goes too far, where you can be Empathy this, like... goes too far on Fox. No, no, but what, but what gone, I mean is... He's gone, he's killed about ten animals, uh, and now he's Just like, let, him, let him talk, let him talk, let him talk. No, okay. Uh, but where, like, to the... Then I made me lose my train of thought because you all decided I'm such a terrible person here. No, we're, we're just having... Random animals I've seen die. Uh, but no, just, no, you've it, seen die? Well, I didn't kill the chipmunks. You killed the duck, I, though. Yeah, I did kill the, the duck. And the raccoon <laughs> and his family. But I wasn't die. <laughs> There was no intent in any of those. I don't think I, I've never intentionally killed no, anyone no, like no. that. No, no, no. That's part of being someone in the 20th century with cars and all these destructive things. Yeah, just, we're like, don't kill animals. Then you hit something, you're like, well, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like the most empathetic person will hit road, will make roadkill and be like, well, that didn't count. You I'm in a car. <laughs> we need to have cars. Bad. They're required on Earth. Yeah. But all I mean, thing was like the, the, the empathy where the empathy is going too far thing is just the kind of like it's like you just don't want to acknowledge reality. And I and I have that a bit of that view with the COVID thing now, too, where it's like we have this view of like no one can die. No one can die. And you want to be like, that's what life is. Everyone will die. And and, and it's and it, we just have to come to terms with that. And it's sort of like and sometimes it'll be sad and some and animals will die and yes we use them for food and it's terrible and like real talk real talk if people well, have to a- die because of covid i would prefer it not to be me <laughs> and, <laughs> like and i think everyone I mean, honestly is going to answer that it's just some what, people what i mean are, is, yeah. is you can have empathy and say like i don't want anyone to die of covid and saying like but at the same time like people die of disease all the time and it's part of being alive in the world and it's i'm not trying to be like i have no empathy oh let's just let everyone die it's just more like you have to you have to acknowledge the world as it is we can't you can't live in a fantasy land either and i think sometimes being overly empathetic might put you in this place of just like you're not you don't really well that's that's the argument against empathy and how i was raised with is that empathy makes you soft Empathy makes you soft and you want to be hard and do things that are hard to do psychologically. You can't go around having empathy when you're trying to survive and, and, you know, get yours. And in modern civilization, that looks different than hunting, but it's the same deal. Sorry, Croft. I just want to let Mike walk some of this back because what he just said was essentially that we shouldn't worry about COVID uh, and not not have empathy for for other people because you're going to die. You know, you could die of COVID. You could die of anything else. So we shouldn't be. Well, he's not wrong in that. No, the inference there is is not to take any sort of precautions to control the spread of the disease. No, I know, but it infers it heavily. The exact argument that you use is the type of argument that I see on these right-wing boards. But but keep in mind that... So that's I'm just coming back to maybe clarify a little bit more. Well, well, like what what I've always said about I've had I've thought about this about COVID, like two things can be true at the same time. Like, and one of those things is that like, is is the argument you'll hear right wingers and conservatives say, and this this is a true thing. Like like yes, disease emerges. Human beings have to adapt to that disease. Many people will die. This is true. And if you just say like, oh, they're wrong, and we must do all things to prevent disease, you're just being not a thinking person. Uh, just because someone's conservative doesn't mean they're always wrong. Uh, and and that's true. But 
the other thing that is also true is like I don't want my loved ones to die. I don't want my father to die. I don't want anyone's father and mother who are in their in their in their elder age to die. And so therefore I will wear personal protective equipment and I think everyone should now practice social distancing and I think everyone should. But that doesn't mean that you're going to stop this thing in its tracks. It's still a natural process. Like two things can be true at the same time. Right. And and, and but the way that, you framed it before was that you you had framed it that I like, think you know COVID is just a thing and well, it's it one is. of many things. It, it is. And, and, I mean, and that, <laughs> no, I know, but you didn't yeah, add anything. Didn't about, add your thing. inference yeah, sure. was very much that like, why are we wearing? I think Crofton you know, wasn't like, trying to change your opinion. He was just trying to make sure you cast it in the right light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, and yeah. I I appreciate that because this does go out in the cold. airwaves, and we do have yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> several <laughs> dozens of listeners, listeners, and you know yeah. And that, I, well, I think anyone who's heard me talk about this before knows that where I stand on the COVID yeah, thing and what I, I would, do personally. I wouldn't <laughs> trust the internet uh, to be too true um, enough. The what I just wanted to say before we roll into verdicts, one thing, and it was when Bo was talking about the car and hitting things, and Mike was talking about hunting. I was starting to think about like that that empathy slope and how Mike, even when we were talking about veganism before, was sort of saying how um, just the making of uh, a lot of you know uh, grow, mass growing of, of produce leads to the death of lots of like voles and smaller creatures and all of this. And there's always there is this cycle all all the time, which they're sort of death. So there's these like levels of empathy, right? So it's like if you hit a car, if you if you take a bat and hit a squirrel and kill it, or or it, in Mike's case, he threw a rock and and hit a duck and and killed it. That's that like that sucks. But then what if he hits it? If you hit a, an animal with your car, you're, it's sort of you're more detached. And the more the more detached that you are to both both the creature and the uh, and the situation, the less empathy you have. So like plants are living things. If I pull a blade of grass out of the ground, like I'm not like, oh my God, this poor blade of grass. But if I shoot a deer, oh my God, I killed the deer, right? And then in between there's fish. So you catch a fish, you're like, some people are like, oh, I'm a-okay with fishing. I don't feel bad about it, but I would never shoot an animal, you know? So there's like these, there's like these, these gr- shades of gray um, or, or shades of empathy almost. Uh, and this is just in the animal kingdom. And then that translates to human life as well, where it's like there's people that have tons of empathy towards their friends and family. You know, it's, they're like really, really like I, you know, Bo, I really care about what you're going through and all of this. But Joe down the street, I don't give a shit about him. You know, like in, 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 I think I think that that's there's these gradients of empathy there uh, that are very fascinating to me. Uh, anyway, sorry. is that what they call virtue sig- signaling? Like, like, like you're demonstrating empathy in selective states, not for the benefit no. of the person you're, or animal you're being empathetic towards, but for display to for others to show what your values are and you know all that kind of thing. Like, I think it has more to do with your social standing sometimes than than necessarily your actual empathy for the elks of the planet <laughs> you know like i think some people are empathetic but i think there are those that are like oh yeah i'd never hurt you know a duck and you're right they're going fishing slaughtering scores of fish daily you know like uh that's but they might s- not hurt a duck they might not like like if you gave me a gun i wouldn't want to shoot a deer like i just wouldn't want to right do it. right but and, you and, pound and, back but, the steaks you know like 
Exactly. Yeah. Because there's that level of abstraction, right? Yeah. There's that level of like, uh, like I've never heard I, of an animal. Meanwhile, uh, kill the I, animals I, for my belly, you know, like I yeah. will enable a system to give me like food, but I won't pull the trigger to a certain extent, you know, like mm-hmm. my, my, that that's where the gradient is in my empathy log or whatever. And, and that's what I find. I just find that interesting that like people have different, different ones and when mike was talking to his vegan friend and it's like yeah you know you think you're not killing animals but in fact you still are just smaller animals and it's part of this process i mean you know like depending on their empathy meter they might be like oh no you know like this is a bad thing and now i can only eat stuff i grow it's, in my garden in the backyard i mean i mean plants it's, are it's living to- things too so like anyways. yeah it's 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 totally <laughs> true the, the gradient thing is is a very good point because it's, it's absolutely true about around uh empathy that it that it is that sliding scale um and uh and yeah but but i mean the, the thing with it's like yeah basically if you're alive something's gonna die because of you being alive especially as a human being there's just just no way around that like um and if you have to if you have empathy you just won't be able to function in the world you, you have to be like just crying in your room because of all the death that, that that is caused by your living so that's obviously like crippling to be like that and and it's like even you know like i hit the animal with my car the raccoon but i'm like i hit the animal with the car and i was like i felt terrible i was like oh god you know like all that you know it really bothered me uh you know i didn't have a choice it was like either like you crash it was at night when this happened i'm going to swerve off the road and and kill myself so that the raccoon could live to to forge through a garbage pail another day i mean it's just like didn't bother you as much as the dead babies yeah, well, hey, they they they're, they're smart creatures. They probably made it <laughs> for a while, uh, but um, yeah. Uh, now I lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, sorry, Crofting, your joke threw me off. I was I was going somewhere, but it, your train is, of thought derail. Maybe it's time to go to to verdict. It feels oh, like just, we've just, been on just just a moment. Uh, something special might be cooking up here, and I want to give it a few minutes. Um, so for our audio listeners, we do stream this show live and, uh, we tend not to acknowledge the audience so that there's no little dissonance. I think we prefer the aesthetic to be our conversation. However, uh, regular listener and our chat room moderator, Monica really wants to come in and say something. And I thought, you know what? It might be a little fun break, uh, to do something a little different and bring Monica in just for a few minutes, but I offered her. Oh, she'd have to get her computer. Well, I thought you were in front of one right now. What are you doing? I guess you're on your phone or something like that. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Hmm. I, I mean, I'd be game. I would, if I would, you'd be game, I, would, I think what I'll... The conversation, Monica, but, go get uh, your computer. Yeah. I will pause the recording here. And then we can just... Uh, well, I mean, if you can call in, I just want... Can I toss you in? Are you in Discord? Let's get you in here. I think it'll be I fun. To, okay. Yeah. Are we pausing the recording? I mean, we're still going. We're still live streaming. I'll edit some of it later, but like, don't okay, worry too right much now. about the technical. If you you got to go piss, go piss. I guess yes. then I'm, we're doing a full edit. You I don't know that I'm going to take it out of the box. Those Pepsi, those Pepsi Maxes before, yeah, yeah. The, before uh, the show. So um, I got to switch it back here for a second. All right. And where's Monica? He's going to. You guys are going to get to meet our uh, one of our mo- chat room moderator and the wonderful Monica. Great heroes of the storm player. All right, here we go. Uh, 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 uh. I can't find you, Monica. Are we friends on Discord? Find our star call. Wicked kitten. There you are. Okay. Oh, and I. 
And I'll just flag to you, Bo, that because uh, Croft is gone and you're bringing Monica in. Yeah. But I did, I did regain my train of thought that was derailed earlier. So, I don't oh know well, a good time you, yeah. Now you have to save it because we're you know, Monica. I thought would be ready to rear and to go. She's like, I want to get in here. So I was like, okay. So I'll now, now since I threw the offer out, I'm going to give her a minute to yeah, yeah. to get in here. Is is she there? I hear the. I see the like. Yeah, thing. I'm ringing now. So it sounds like I'd have to get my computer. I have a head. Oh, oh, what? It's happening. Is it happening? <laughs> Hi, Monica. You're here, but I don't hear anything. Can you hear me? There you go. All right, let's turn your volume up. Okay. Uh, perfect. How do I sound? You sound pretty good, although your volume is low. If you can turn it up somehow, that'd be great. No idea how to do that. Oh, you've got another <laughs> Crofton in here. All right, I'm just going to crank your two to 200. Okay, I think I can hear you okay. Say something again. Something again. All right, it's good. We, I have it loud enough on my end, so let's go back here. It's going to look bad. Um, but whatever, I wasn't pre- prepared for this. Hi, Monica, how's it going? Where the hell's Crofton? Is any a fast I, peer? Uh, aren't we all a fast peer? Not Crofted, apparently. There he is. He's finally back. All right. It's going to look weird on the thing, but whatever. <laughs> uh, hang on. Hey, Monica. Crofton. How are you? Uh, you know, living the dream. Yeah, same old. I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Mike, you look like a still image on my screen. Either you're posing or you're just frozen. Uh, maybe adding Monica to the call ruined his internet. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, shit. We're, oh, frick. Mike, hello? Mike. Hello. I think I'm back. It's, Discord went unresponsive. So All right. I'm just gonna I'm just going to mark the audio. All right. Uh, we're back after a little technical hiccup trying to get everything together. Uh, we've invited our chat room moderator and loyal listener, Monica, from the chat room because she really wanted to have it. You said, you said, I really want to be in, I really wish I was on this episode. So we kind of got to keep it to a limit, but if you will have something to say, floor is yours. Be careful and, what you and wish And welcome, for. Monica. Welcome. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I think... Y'all made some good points, um, but I do think that we are we are becoming a more empathetic, um, you know, society. We we are at a place, you know, we're beyond like um, what do you call it? So we're we're accepting, we're more understanding. There, we're living in a place where you know kids are coming out to their parents and like. The parents know what's going on. They're involved in their lives. And, you know, people see these stories. And I know you say that you can't feel it on the internet. And I, a lot of my friends are on the internet. So I'm going to, I actually disagree with you slightly there. But I get what you're saying because there is something with the, um, what do you call it? With the, um, where you can actually feel something in real life. There is a difference, but. Yeah, I'm not saying either or, maybe both, but sorry. Ow. Yeah. I just punched <laughs> I just punched my cat in the nose. <laughs> oh oh my god, you're like Mike. Don't kill it. And I bet, I have, no, and I I bet you feel bad about it too. 
I feel it's, awful. Yeah, that's empathy, baby. Um, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, <laughs> and Croft and wraps it right up. Sorry, continue. You were saying that. Well, well you were you were actually accepting. making a really good points about people being more accept, parents being more accepting for sure. And uh, you were correcting all the bad things that Bo said about people on the internet. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so and and that's the other thing, like. Because, like, just like you said, you're reading all these stories and you're learning, you're getting all this knowledge. We're all learning these stories that have been going on for thousands or however many years that we never knew. You know, we didn't know or, you know, I'm like, there are people just realizing, you know, what black people go through right now. And it's like, we learn that through things like the Internet and Twitter, computer the you know people taking videos and stuff like that and i think that you know that's how we're becoming more empathetic because we see that now we can actually like connect with it in a different way than just living it and because you're never going to know what it's like right right but if someone posts it on reddit i'll see it but if someone's just in their neighborhood then that conversation never takes place and i never know about it exactly and there's things that just within communities you know you know, we talk to each other, so like, you know, black people, or I'm Hispanic, so, you know, me and some Hispanic people, and, you know, in the queer community, too, it's, you know, like, we have our own things, our own stories, and now, you know, we're able to reach out and, like, tell our stories to, you know, the rest of the world, and, you know, people are responding. I, you know, I go on, well, my Twitter, at least, is full of, like, nice people, um, you know, what is it boycotting JK Rowling right now? And it's just like, it's, it's amazing because like how many years before this, like everyone would be like, well, it's, you know, I'm going to keep watching Harry Potter, you know, whatever. But Hey, that's your decision, by the way. I don't know. Um, but it's in some ways though, like the JK Rowling thing is kind of interesting. Cause it's like, I mean, you're not wrong. And but if anything, what you're, what you're, what you're, what you're speaking about kind of talks to the, to polarization like you like you're totally right in, in some on one end of the spectrum people are much more accepting much more understanding um and and then tend to have these harsh reactions because uh, the jk rowling thing i mean i personally think is a little bit blown out of, out of proportion and and goes like everyone's like throw her under the bus that's it you know, and then there are people on the other end of the spectrum, and this is, I guess, to the, I guess, maybe the counter, because you're not, you're not wrong in that there's way more space for people who have been traditionally oppressed and all that. Um, there's way more space and accepting, and I do think that's wonderful. But I think that, as we all know, in places like what is it, like 4chan, and and some of these like right, where you see the movements of of uh, white supremacy, those things are starting to grow again. Um, also driven by the internet. You know, it's sort of like if the internet story is anything, it's like you find your people on the internet. And if, and, uh, which is great for, you know, people like in the, in the queer community who've maybe had a harder time finding those communities, that's great. But also, if you're a douchebag Nazi, you can find your community out there and they're going to tell you, yeah, white power, baby. And that's not, so I mean, it, it's like empathy is growing in, in one segment and then in other places there are extremism is growing too. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Monica made a good point about the internet though. So, yeah, you ever, I, well, it's the, I, it's the well, Let, let, let Monica talk because we're yeah. ready to roll in the verdicts. Uh, so if you, you know. I, I also want to point out that, like, you know, as long as those, you know, the Nazi people are talking, you know, maybe they'll decide together to not wear masks and, you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> 
but but also like <laughs> it, like all of these bad people have always existed and like even though now they can be connected and i don't know what they're going to do on the internet but you know it um i mean at least they're finding somebody right but so, at the same time, one more thing. What was my oh thing? Yeah. Damn sure. it, I lost my take thought. It, take your time, and you guys I don't know. interject. You guys hate dead air and just always talk. We'll just give her a chance to... <laughs> I just have a like... question. God. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> so my, my question, Monica, because you made a, an interesting point about about the cameras and, and Black Lives Matter, which was something that we really didn't talk too much about on this podcast was just sort of like a giant moment of empathy and understanding and getting behind this community that's been marginalized and you mentioned these other communities as well that that and like that what is that like a history trends upward or what's the quote god history bends towards justice or something along those lines i I, i'm curious if this is a situation of like history we are constantly uh as a society becoming more empathetic, like slowly. Um, it, and it's just that we don't appreciate it because we're in the moment. So are, w- would you, would you say that we con we're constantly becoming more empathetic that you feel that there's more, there's, there's like what we say, it's polarized. It is, there is polarization, but it could be that one of those sides is much smaller than we think. And it could be that that side is the non empathetic side. I'm hoping that that's the case. <laughs> Uh, what are what do you what do you feel? I think that um, I think that knowledge is power for one, and that there are stories um, that we don't know. There are stories that you know, like there there are things just coming to light. You know, we're learning about you know more Black history stuff and 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 queer history, and these are my only two uh, histories. But like, there's there's things that we don't know and because we don't know them we were you know we're taught like the what do you call it the whitewashed history and all that kind of stuff so we mm-hmm. we learn a certain thing and we're so proud like i'm sorry by the way i'm an american uh, I, I apologize for anyone listening you know like we you know just raised to be so proud of this place and you grow up and it's like what why why what did we do what what were you doing? Okay. But, um, you know, so I think the more that we learn, the more empathetic we can be because, you know, like, like think about it. The biggest thing with, with the Black Lives um, Matter movement is that you have to look at yourself. You have to look at your own bias, biases, biases, whatever. Biases. We all have them. Like, whether it's about whoever kind of person, you know, skin color, height, weight, whatever it is, we all have. Shut up. Did you hear the cat? No, <laughs> we didn't yeah, hear it. So I, I was, I was wondering if you know, <laughs> you're, uh, I, <laughs> I was wondering. Please don't hurt it again. Please don't hurt it. I, so, but basically, we have to look inward to ourselves and figure out these these biases, which is making people more. Um, I mean, you can't be anything but become more empathetic in that way. You're kind of humbling yourself and, you know, uh, opening up for some kind of change i would so, hope so not to interrupt but uh, we do have to move into verdicts but before we let you go monica i was wondering <laughs> if you'd be interested in delivering your own verdict right now oh a verdict okay mm. let's see uh first of all anybody who says that it's a bad or bullshit is probably um uh, a sociopath but so i would say that empathy is good 
for the most part. Excellent. I didn't get to say anything mean about it, but you know. No, but I think your message is loud and clear, and I think you're speaking very passionately that empathy isn't just for weaklings, which is how a lot of people who lack empathy frame empathy. So, hey, um, trust me, I'm someone. I'm emotional, and I cry, but I will. I will. I will beat you up with my words. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't want to be around for that. Everyone, or thank you, Monica, for uh, this impromptu joining. Uh, we'll have to do this again. This was pleasant. It was I was a pleasure. Can I just add one thing, which is in overall thank you, Monica, for listening and bearing with us for so long and for all the moderation work you do. We we super appreciate it. I love reading your comments. Uh, it, it's <laughs> awesome. So thank you. Thank you so much for engaging with us. We really love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. We'll have to play Hero soon. Yes. Until later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. That was thank marvelous. You. Oh, you're not gone yet. Oops. Awkward. <laughs> all right thanks i don't know how to remove someone from the call you might just end up being stuck here the whole time um okay sat bye i feel i feel empathy because it sucks to be have to go but i have to do it all right bye okay let's see if i lacked empathy that wouldn't have been hard for me because i just felt like it was nice to have her here and she was you know was clearly happy to be on the call with us too so i'm just like oh why am I doing this? But it's because we have to move into verdicts, and I'm not even going to give a shit what Crofton and Mike says, because who cares what they think? It's verdict time. <laughs> I said I don't give a shit. <laughs> I give no shits. All right, Mike's gone. I sort of noticed that... Um, I guess when the new caller comes in and out, it ruins Mike's connection to the call. <laughs> Discord's a pain. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So who's going to go first? I hosted. Well, so we I gotta, let's go wait first. for Mike to come back at least so he can participate in the verdict. Really? Hello. Hey, hey you're back. Yeah, Discord likes to uh, just stop working. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard to give a verdict anything except good because uh, now that uh, Monica informed us that we would be sociopaths if we said, and we usually like to leave it a bit open to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think at the end I was trending more, like being more cri- critical, and um, I, 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 but I'd be happy to go first. Okay, right. yeah, do it up. I mean, to me, I, I come back to the simple thing I said at the start, which was that this is easy and that empathy is clearly a good thing. And I would kind of go back and, and double down and say it's the most, it's kind of like the most important thing. Um, that's not to oh, say wait. it's not. Are you giving it, oh, we don't have that verdict anymore. Are you giving it an awesome? There's a secret no, verdict. No, no, uh, well, no. No, I mean, whatever. It's, it's as close it's, to awesome as you've ever gotten. Well, but what I mean is like, oh, I just can't do it. Nothing's that good. <laughs> it's just it's it's completely clear to me that like, you know, if you if you lack empathy, you're going to treat people bad. You're going to treat the world bad. There, like, I don't see anything that can good that can come up, come of it. As Bo pointed out, maybe some personal good. If you're cutthroat, if you get ahead, um, maybe you're personally going to enrich yourself and probably leave a trail of like people who hate you in your wake and if that brings you joy you know whatever uh but i I, to me that sounds wholly unappealing um i think it's like kind of the most important thing 
particularly uh, because we live in a complicated, nuanced, uh, global society of constantly contrasting views. Um, you know, that, that empathy is even more important in this context. Um, in some ways, you have to find you have to find empathy for the white supremacist. You have to find empathy for the queer person. You have to find empathy for the hunter. You have to find empathy for the vegan. It's not, it can't just be, if you have empathy, you fit into this place on the political spectrum. So it is complicated. Um, you have to, it's about understanding the other and feeling and, and putting yourself in their shoes. And is that is, I think, the most important thing. It leads to the world being a better place it leads to better understanding and just overall goodness so more empathy yes please um it's not it's not it's not all perfect it's, it's got its issues but it's definitely a good thing so i'll leave it at that all right well that's one good verdict uh since you're host you should probably go first so that there's some buffer between yeah you for and sure your spiel you can go that's an artificial rule that really does it doesn't matter but for some reason it just feels right you know Okay, so uh, for me, this is one of those th- those ones where it's, it's so in- tied into my intrinsic value system and who I am as a person that it makes it tough uh, to separate. It's, it's like in the end, how much do you love how you are and how much do you dislike it? For me, empathy is a huge part of who I am. I recently had to uh, – I'm doing this sort of story exercise um, – that my wife got me for, I think it was Father's Day. It's pretty cool. Like they send me these these questions and I write answers. And one of them was, what what would I consider my personal motto? And I, I was thinking about this. And like as somebody who's in communications, boiling a personal motto down to one thing, it's very difficult. And I think mine would likely be to give a shit and uh, be empathetic, to care about people. It seems self-evident, but it's not. It's definitely not for everyone. And as an adult, I see it much more. It's not just in the world I'm currently in, but in the way adults act and the values that they demonstrate. Be nice, be kind. It seems like the stuff that people post is their Facebook status and pat themselves on the back for, but don't really necessarily act on uh, all the time. And maybe it's the way, you know, that I was raised by my parents. Maybe it's something uh, natural to me. I know I wasn't raised with religion being a big part of my life, but I know that religion tries to codify, like, do one to your neighbor as you uh, would want done to you yourself. Uh, And uh, I think part of that is like, because there's concern that people aren't empathetic and in my jobs now, they're value mental health. They're, they're trying to, trying to drill this in and, as much as I'm a bit cynical about some of the actions taken, I am glad that everybody publicly recognizes that the way we should be is empathetic to one another, to care about one another. Uh, and so for me, like um, I, I want, I always want to lend an ear when I get these performance evaluations that say Crofton, you, you care too much. I wear that as a badge of honor and, and not as, as something that I want to fundamentally change about myself. So for me, uh, and based on all the conversation that we've had today, which I think was a really good conversation in the in, and I think this is a great topic, Bo. I am going to say that empathy is uh, good. It's good. I use that awesome verdict. I'd use that, but it's, I'm just going to say it's good. Yeah, I lost the awesome bumper during the great deletion of my hard disk by mistake. All right, um, let's see. So it's my verdict time. 
I'm going to try and keep this one short and sweet because I'm basking in the glow of actually picking a good topic for once. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say that I've experienced both being an empathetic person. I was also very much, uh, you know, an emotional bully uh, in high school, making fun of people, hurting them and enjoying their tears. Um, and even now, you know, I have a proclivity, uh, procl- proclivity, like, like even now I can, I can find enjoyment in at the expense of others. Like it, it's shameful, but it's like something I'm capable of. And certainly if you're doing that, even if it's not within earshot, there's a lack of empathy doing that because you are putting out hurtful energy into the world. And I recognize now that now at 40, but you know, it wasn't me a long time ago. And certainly in, in other work roles, I've been, I've turned off the empathy switch because it felt like the way forward was to be aggressive and uncaring. And I still have a little bit with that me too. And I have to, I have to talk to myself about that stuff and, and orient myself and my values when it seems tempting to just be like, I don't give a shit, just do my shit. You know what I mean? And, um, it's tough. Uh, so empathy is something I think everyone has to work at, even if they feel like they can be empathetic easily in some situations, it does take work. Like Mike's example pointed out at the call center, you know, that conviction will be tested and it takes work to remain empathetic and not lose yourself. Um, that being said, I know that personally when I'm in pain, I want people to understand and i know how much that helps me so i'm always cognizant of the fact if someone's in a serious situation how much it means to reach out and tell them you understand how they feel it's so basic and simple and yet so effective and so feels so good for that reason empathy is good i was nervous for a minute there I thought, triple, triple good. I thought we were going to lose Monica as, as a listener, but yeah. and as an extra, as an excellent, irreplaceable chat room host, and now contributor to GBB. I I will say that uh, I felt that this would be a triple good, uh, and I sort of agree with what Monica was saying about whoever defers might be a sociopath. But we did bring we did bring up some some interesting aspects of it. I thought uh, so interesting. Uh, Bo, before I start into the business, will we happen to have received any mail this week? Oh snap, we did! I forgot there was mail. Um. <laughs> I guess that's the new sound. Alright, here comes the birds delivering the mail to me. Got another piece of paper here. And just open up this message. Alright, well guess guess who wrote us again? Mr. Shane. Regular listener of the show. He's written in a couple of times. He has a hey, new Shane. message for us today. Um he starts off his email by saying, Hey big dicks. <laughs> ancestry is bad paying Ah. heed to it leads us to continue the same bad bullshit we always have slavery turning into racism has plagued our world for centuries tyrannical rulers continuing for generations because of caring about what our ancestors believed in boom kel norum well said yeah I, I responded back already and said, you know, I really enjoyed the fact that he he's now comfortable enough to address the email. Hey, big dicks. I was like, but okay. he's, remember, he's referring to my ancestor, Big Dick Hodgins. No, I think he's just calling us dicks. 
I'm sure it had to be the reference to that. It's for yeah. sure the big dicks. Yeah. You'll have to write in again uh, and clarify that for us. Because I, I thought he just was being, you know, how we like say that shit to each other. Well, it's just like, call, it's hey, you fucking dummy. Back. Like, you know, like, I was like, oh, he feels comfortable. But I'm like, well, the whole internet. Anyway. I'm glad he took the hard stand because it's funny when I like, I brought that one up and I was kind of leaning that way. But but as with all, many of our conversations, you know, the, the nuance and sways you back into that bullshit place. But you know what? Good for you, Shay. Take a hard stance. Bad. Uh, I like it. And thanks for writing in, for sure. Indeed. Well, Crofton, if our listeners want to take a hard stance, how would they do that? Uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, I should do the business. Um, okay, so first off, if you remember Good Bad Bull, you're pretty well sorted. You can go to goodbadbull.com, catch all our previous episodes. Uh, goodbadbull at gmail.com if you want to write in. Uh, and we would love to get some emails. We can read them on air you can also follow us on twitter at good bad bull it'll let you know when we go live on uh, twitch.tv slash you guessed it good bad bull um so uh we're also though as, as an organization we are good bad or bullshit but we are individuals of an individual nature uh and you can reach us individually and follow us as well as uh, sometimes on social media, sometimes creepily in the bushes. Let's start with uh, Bo. Where can the good folks reach you? Uh, BoSchwartz.com. Links to my Twitter and all that shit there. BoSchwartz.com. Oh, geez. That's that's a baller move. Uh, and uh, Mike, uh, where can the people reach you? Well, um, they'd have to come to my streets. Whoa, don't dox yourself, dude. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> No, no, I didn't give the I didn't give the number. Let me okay, all right, right. yeah, yeah, maybe just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> just just uh, because, trust me, just don't do that. Because I'm not on the social media, and because life's better when you're not on it. So uh, I encourage everyone to get off it. And Excellent. He'll be more empathetic with you face to face. That's um, true. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Crofton Steers until I launch the CroftonSteers.com website, all caps. Can I do that? I don't know. Um, and uh, and gentlemen, that was a good that was a good but long one. Uh, Bo, I give you full credit for. Uh, for a, I didn't uh, know. It just. I didn't. I'll, know. I'll I, I was. I lacked a lot of confidence. I thought we would be throttling each other's throats by the end, but I see that we have a lot of empathy for one another because I feel a lot of love for all of you, Mike and Crofton and Monica and the rest of the chat room and listeners out there. I was really scared. When when there's this moment before Bo picks a topic where I'm just like, oh god, what's this gonna be? It could have been it could have been like going poop, like it, it, you know yeah. that's also in my wheelhouse. That would have been a great. Uh, I'm sure that would have been a great topic too. It could have been uh, webcams. In fact, I think uh, I might save poop for the next one we do, and it's my turn. It'll just be poop. Yeah, like if no? I could design okay. a human. Uh, you know, I was talking about the empathy thing, but if I, I could design me without having to poop, I mean, I think that would be a design improvement. I mean, but where would it go? Up your ears? No, you'd just become gigantic because it would all be stored <laughs> inside of your body forever. Finally, I don't have to give away this pizza I spent so much money on. It'll just all stay yeah. inside. Your, your weight, your weight at the end of your life would be the combined weight of everything that ever went into your body. <laughs> That's but strained for, strain for nutrients. Strained for nutrients. 
I, this yeah. this was a, I, I would echo this was a good topic. It was in, it was interesting, and I, I what I, what I sort of liked about my own sort of journey through this topic was when I started. I was like, oh man, this is super easy. It's just good. Like let's get on with it. And though that's where I landed and where I totally stand by. Like all things, almost when you dig into them, there was levels of nuance and complexity. Uh, it still now have me thinking. I'm like, mm, you know, it's it's way it's uh, it's a lot deeper than just like yeah, we need more empathy. It's my favorite part of the show. Hang on, my favorite part of the show is Michael looking like he's a living uh, mag- uh, uh, author's picture, like on the book jacket of a book. He's <laughs> just like he <laughs> just. He looks so austere, austere and like pretentious the whole time. He's got the beautiful lighting, and like he's just like I'm intelligent, and <laughs> like it's just the way the lighting is. It's communicating so much meaning to me. I know that it's, See, it's my where, favorite part. It's communicating to you, sickly, uh, just, sickly. Just some guy in his basement, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what I am. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not getting like. I'm not getting like intellectual vibes. <laughs> I'm getting ever? more. I'm getting more like, hey, you know, I live a good life, and, and I'm, I'm chatting about things. I'm and I'm getting vibes like you should end the show. End the show, Bo. End the show. You know what? You know what's crazy about you ending the show is you, you're usually the one ending it, and I kind of hate giving it to you, but I have to. It's like this weird little game we play because, like, you've ended. I can't argue. This is the rules we made, but I'm like, I'm irritated that you ended it, and not one of us, because it's always you. You got to break uh, Crofton's streak, it's, Mike. It's, it's like lo- it's like looting, right? It's like when we're playing Divinity. Yeah. And he, you know, I know Crofton's sitting there, and I'm like, I'm gonna wait for a clever pun, then I'm gonna end the show. So I go to the yes. bag. Like, I know he's like playing a game. Are you a fan of the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast? Consider supporting the show by becoming one of our valued patrons at Patreon.com. For as little as the cost of one cup of coffee a month, your generous support will help keep the random topic generator oiled and fueled for future generations. Find out more at Patreon.com/slash Good, Bad, Bull.